It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And welcome on into another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast, a Halloween edition here on October 31st. I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, joined as always by Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Uh, gentlemen, do you have trick-or-treating plans this evening? Jim, I will start with you. Well, you know, my youngest child is now 18, so no. Mm, okay. Um, I... Uh, we have a little bit of a not dilemma. We have we're, we're equipped with candy, but it is snowing here in suburban Chicago. In our town, I'm not sure why they did this, but yesterday rescheduled if you can actually do that Halloween to Saturday. So I don't know if we're going to get trick or treaters tonight. Like I, I don't right. know how you. It's not like the police are roaming the streets of Winnetka, but prohibiting people, arresting people who are trick or treating. But like, so I think we're going to have like basically double halloween potentially wow or at least we have to be prepared for double halloween tonight and then again on saturday so that we will see and depending on how long this podcast goes if we get some early afternoon right after school trick-or-treaters we may hear my doorbell ring during the podcast all right well we'll stay tuned for that uh jonathan is it snowing in, in pittsburgh no just really heavy rain there are some surrounding areas where they 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 did the same thing they they rescheduled trick-or-treating, and people get very upset about that, and yeah. I want to remind them that Halloween is made up. Um, Interesting point. I mean, Interesting point. all of it, all of everything is made up if you really think about it, but, like, I, it, no one's, like, suggesting, and it's easy for, you know, uh, me, one of the two Jews on this podcast, to say uh, it's like moving Christmas. No, right, no one's right, saying right. moving – don't move Christmas, right, because that is tied to something that happened – this, it's That's Halloween. True. I mean, come on. Like, I everyone know. relax. If you want to move trick-or-treating to Saturday so kids don't get hurt or sick or whatever, then Great. you know what? Move it. That's fine. That's fine. Why not? We should make it up. We could have it every different every year. I mean, who? why does it need to be October 31st? Uh, so I, I totally agree with you. Um, but all right. Well, thank you. That that's I learned something, that you could reschedule uh, Halloween if you're, you know, a that that is a legal thing that you can do. So very interesting stuff. Uh, but let's actually talk about baseball because the season – uh, the major league season is officially over. The minor league season, uh, I guess, is also officially over since the fall league wrapped up last weekend. Uh, but the Washington Nationals are the 2019 World Series champions. And before we do uh, some final Arizona fall league uh, discussion, as we've been doing all month, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this postseason, uh, which has seen uh, some some veterans that that have been dominating, some young superstars like Juan Soto uh, kind of in the spotlight. So, uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you. Do you have any big takeaways uh, from the 2019 postseason? I mean, I just... To me, Game 7 of the World Series in general, uh, and I know, Jordan, you and I were talking before we started, You know, not every Game 7 in the history of the World Series has been a fantastic game, but just the very nature of Game 7 of the World Series, to me, is the best thing in sports. Uh, I just, you know, it's all on the line. It's all hands on deck. It, you know, it's starters pitching out of the bullpen or, or not, as the case may be. Um, so it was just... Uh, it was it was a lot of fun and what a tremendous tremendous series. I mean, like every every 
game was won by the road team. It was crazy. But, you know, that, that whole adage about, you know, every time you think you've seen everything there is to see in baseball, uh, you see something else. And uh, I just uh, – I like the way the Nationals went about what they uh, – you know what they did and went about their business and that mixture of the sort of uh, energy and a little bit of brashness from the young players and, and the, and the veteran guys, um, they just looked like they enjoyed every, every minute of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the Nats are, are just a, a wonderful collection of, of, like you said, veterans, old players. They got guys that they signed to giant free agent deals. They got guys that they picked up from Toronto. Like Daniel Hudson closes it out. He wasn't even on the team in spring training. Like they just have every possible mix uh, of player on the roster that is that is cool to see come together to win a World Series. Um, Jim, do you have any uh, any big takeaways? I, I agree with Jonathan. The thing on, on all the road teams winning was really crazy. Uh, anything stand out to you? Yeah, it was just, you know, more, you know, player you know, snapshots that jumped out to me, you know, Howie Kendrick hits the big home run last night. And it made me think about, you know, a guy who a lot of baseball fans may not know much about, you know, except maybe as Casey Kochman's dad, but Tom Kochman's, you know, one of the best scouts in in recent history and finds guys all over the place. And, you know, he found Howie Kendrick at a junior college in the 10th round. And back then when you had the draft and follow rule, he convinced the angels not to wait a year. Let's sign this guy now. And, you know, he comes up with a big home run. We talked about, I think it was last week's podcast or maybe it was two weeks ago. But when I think of Max Scherzer, I just think about how in the 2006 draft, Mike Rizzo, who was then the scouting director for the Dimebacks, was all in on Max Scherzer. I think there's a good chance he might have taken Max with number one overall pick, even though Max had had some injuries that year. He just he just loved Max Scherzer and then loved him enough to give him a record contract when he was GM of the Nationals, signed him as a free agent. And you see Scherzer coming up big. I think of Steven Strasburg, who, you know, is clearly, you know, the best pitching prospect in draft history, um, you know, was hyped like no prospect before. And it's kind of cool to see that guy become the first number one overall pick to be the World Series MVP like that had never happened before. So that was kind of cool. And then I, I think a Juan Soto, who I'd not known much about. And I remember talking to a scout in spring training. I guess it was 2017 after he'd won the MVP in the Gulf Coast League. And he said, Juan Soto is better than Victor Robles. You know, and Victor Robles already was way up our, our prospect list. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, okay. Like, I don't know much about that guy. That's interesting. And, you know, and then he got hurt that year and kind of, you know, we didn't really, you know, get the spotlight on him. And then in 2018, he, he goes from a ball to the majors in about five minutes. And he's the most accomplished young hitter ever. And, uh, just unbelievable plate discipline and just the show he put on and the guys he was hitting home runs off of future hall of famers in the postseason. I know he's, he, he's now officially 21. He turned 21 during the world series, but that guy looks like he's been doing this for, you know, in the big leagues for 10 or 15 years. So it was, it was just stuff like that. Thinking about these guys kind of on the prospect path and then the becoming world champions. Yeah. It's funny with, 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 with Soto and we talked to talked about his, you know, his quick ascent recently and, that's what I mean. And, and he carries him. He has a perfect combination, I think, of the sort of youthful, you know, the the exuberance and a little brashness. But he, he's got such a veteran presence, even with his approach to the plate. And I even think back like Ryan Zimmerman. Right. That that was that the, the the vaunted 2005 draft, you know, that everyone always talks about a college guy, the 2005 draft and finally gets to the World Series with the team that drafted him, um, you know, you probably could go and find somewhere the rookie career development program interview that I did with him. Um, you know, it's always fun to sort of 
trace back to how we crossed paths with a lot of these guys before they became these guys, you know, even the ones like Strasburg and Soda who, who, who became those guys really, really quickly. Yeah, and I'm so glad you bring up Zimmerman. Uh, I, I, I love the stories that, that both of you guys told about a lot of these guys that we mentioned over the last few weeks. Uh, just the Scherzer-Rizzo connections is so great. The Strasburg, amazing ascent. Soto, uh, amazing. Even the Howie Kendrick uh, <laughs> prospect uh, development. But yeah, wow, Ryan Zimmerman, the first ever Washington Nationals draft pick back in 2005, fourth overall. Um, and I mean, yeah, was, I mean, Jonathan, you, you mentioned it, but I'll stick on Zimmerman here for a second. Yeah. What, what was he? I, I don't remember what this, this draft very well. So, so, uh, what, what was that draft like? I mean, that was the, the Justin Upton first overall Alex Gordon second. Eh, we don't have to talk about Jeff Clement at three to the Mariners, but we can <laughs> move right past that. Uh, Zimmerman at four, Ryan Braun, five, Tulos in that McCutcheon, Jay Bruce a little bit later. Um, so let, let's, I, if you don't mind any, any memories from that draft from, from either of you, I'll start with you, Jonathan. Well, other than the fact that uh, Jim got like the first ninety-two, oh, picks that was right. that year. Oh um, my goodness! But okay. uh, but and it did, and that was I think the first time. Uh, I think that was the first time I tried to do a mock first round, and you know I'm, I'm meticulously keep trying to keep track while we were doing. I think at the at the time like an online broadcast of some sort. Were we doing the online broadcast at that? Point? Yes, we were. And uh, looking, and he just kept getting them right. And I'm like, what What have I gotten myself into? Like, that I'm trying to match up with this uh, superhuman uh, prognosticator of the draft. Um, but uh, so that stands out for on a personal note. But just it's, it's been such a such a good and productive draft in terms of, uh, you know, players who've gone on to become really, really good uh, big leaguers. You know, even, you know, Cameron may have been okay. So, you know, maybe McCutcheon has been the best of that trio of high school outfielders who were taken all together. Uh, but Cameron Maben and Jay Bruce have had solid big league careers. You know, it's not, uh, uh, and then you, you could go on deeper into that uh, draft. I think Matt Garza was in that draft. I mean, it, it, that, that was a ridiculous draft at the time and has proven to be, uh, you know, really, really productive draft in terms of quality big league players. Yeah, I mean that was that was uh, looking back, you know, the best draft of that decade, and it's interesting because much like the 2011 draft, which also played a role in this World Series, a lot of times when you know, I mean I think most years scouts are kind of, you know, blase is maybe not the right word, but like you know just kind of lukewarm, like it's an okay draft. And I remember going into the 2005 draft and also the 2011 draft, scouts are like this is going to be a really good draft, and it turns out that when they say that. It usually is true, and that you know, like I said, is one of the best the best draft of that decade, probably one of the top five or ten drafts in draft history, and you know, a lot of first almost every first rounder made to the big leagues, a lot of quality first rounders. You know, Zimmerman was interesting because he did not hit a lot of home runs in Virginia, which was a, a very much skewed towards being a pitcher's park at that time. Um, you know, he played real well with Team USA, so people weren't too concerned about the power. He was probably rated as high as you can rate a, a third baseman defensively. I mean, guys thought he was one of the best defensive college third baseman to come around in a long time and, and, and talk about the, the, the year of the third baseman, <laughs> you know, Alex Gordon, you know, these guys both went up in the outfield, but Alex Gordon, 
you know, got to the big leagues as a third baseman. He was a number two pick. Zimmerman went four. And Ryan Braun, who also got to the big leagues, went five. And I don't know this off the top of my head, but that might be the only draft where you saw three third basemen go in the top five picks. Wow. See, there you go. See, the, those are the, the, the extremely draft specifics. Well, obviously, Jim, as Jonathan mentioned, you had a pretty good handle on that first round. Uh, so it's no surprise uh, that you can remember it as well as you did. Um, but but hey, that was uh, that was one heck of a one heck of a draft. And I, I will say that just one more Zimmerman thing. One of the best things about you know last out of the World Series is the slow mo shots of every player um, on, for the last out. And the Zimmerman one is just incredible. Like he just can't even believe what has happened in front of him. Um, and I'm so happy for him. And by the way, he's not done. He basically said afterwards, like I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Like I still feel as long as I'm healthy, I'm going to keep playing. So shouts out to Mr. National Ryan Zimmerman and the 2019 World Series champs. Uh, but let's get back to some some minor league stuff as we head into the offseason, where you guys will certainly be plenty busy uh, crafting list after list after list uh, of every possible category, teams, organizations, top 100s, everything, uh, the draft, of course, too. Um, but let's give let's give the AFL one, one final nod, a uh, little bit of discussion. We've got uh, some great AFL rap uh, content on MLB Pipeline right now. Uh, and so let's let's start with uh, an article that you that you wrote, Jonathan. Uh, the twenty prospects that broke out. Obviously, uh, Jim, you're working uh, on an article about the, the top twenty five straight prospects uh, that played in the league this year. Um, but I want to talk about the guys that kind of made a name for themselves in this in this uh, this fall league. And so, uh, Jonathan, I'll just give you the opportunity to to shout out uh, maybe one of these guys. We've talked about a lot of these guys on this podcast already. But uh, any names stand out to you that really uh, raised their stock a lot now that the fall league is over? I'm trying to find one that maybe we haven't talked about that much. Um, but I think I'm going to just pick Geraldo Perdomo. Um, you know, and we've, we've talked about a lot of them. We heard from Brandon Marsh on the podcast. He's, he's the other one I thought of, but we, you know, we even had an interview with him on here. So I think Perdomo, because he's the guy that sort of speaks to the, you know, the, the Arizona Fall, they kind of open things up to younger players and younger level uh, guys uh, more this year than they had in the past. And he, to me, is the sort of like the be the 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 poster guy for those who took advantage of it. Um, and he, you know, he showed that he uh, could hit. He showed that he's going to start. I think he, there's more power coming um, as he fills out his frame. He showed he can play shortstop, but he's got extra base pop. Um, I think, and he and he's just turned 20 years old. So for me, he's the kind of guy that I've circled that of the at least, you know, the hitters who really kind of broke out in the fall league is the one that I've circled as, yeah, I don't know that he's going to be in the top 100 uh, when we re-rank, you know, in the winter, but he's a guy that uh, I, I would be shocked if he's not on our top 100 at some point in 2020. I would also say uh, on Perdomo that I imagine, you know, you can never have enough you know, awesome shortstop prospects, but it probably helped the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks a little bit uh, to be able to trade Jazz Chisholm away uh, when you had another pretty exciting shortstop in Perdomo um, because I, I love Jazz and I hope he, you know, he, he puts it together with the Marlins, but it's like, oh, wait, they've got another guy uh, right behind him and then even a little bit younger. Um, so I think that that has something to do with it. Uh, Jim, do you have do you have any uh, any of the the, the, the non uh, you know top top names that we'll get to in a second um, that that you think kind of stood out that either that you got to see or just that put up big statistical seasons? Uh, yeah, you know it's funny. You know, Jonathan took Perdomo, and, and I'd concur with that. And I think if I'm cross referencing our two lists correctly, Perdomo. It, well, you know what? I take that back. I thought Perdomo was the highest ranked player 
on my top 25 who was on Jonathan's list, which I think was mainly guys who were not on our top 100, and there were a lot of top 100 guys in the league. The, the highest guy on, the, on my list who's on, in Jonathan's article would be Brandon Marsh, who we have talked about in the podcast, you know, very athletic, former star wide receiver, uh, Joey Bart teammate in high school, um, you know, between him and Joe Adele, the angels outfield. And, 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 you know, some guy named Mike Trout looks like he'll be in pretty good shape for a while, but um, a guy who I don't think we've talked about as much on the podcast um, who also made my top 25 list is Tyler Stevenson. And I think sometimes, you know, you, you, you I don't know if Reds fans are, you know, impatient, you know, Hey, we took this guy with the 11th overall pick in 2015 and he's only gotten to double a, you know, he had a couple serious injuries, his first two full professional seasons, which cost him some time, but, you know, watching him in the fall league and, and even this year in double a, I didn't get to see him play, but numbers wise, I mean, he had a solid year, but I mean, he looks like he's en route to becoming what the reds thought they would. And, and even Tyler Stimson acknowledged, you know, high school catchers take time. You know, he, he wishes he had moved faster to some extent, but he had injuries, you know, and he, you know, basically doing the best he can. But I mean, I saw a guy who, who can, you know, ha- has power. He can throw really well. I mean, he looks fine, you know, you know, average to solid receiver behind the plate. You know, it looks like his approach is going to work. And, and I think, you know, it's, he's, you know, not on our top 100 right now. I mean, we obviously know who he is because we rank prospects left and right and do team lists and all that. But, you know, he's a guy who I think has maybe, you know, slipped out of the spotlight a little bit. I mean, going back to 2015, I mean, there were even rumors. I don't think we really believed him at the time, Jonathan, that the Diamondbacks were going to take Tyler Stevenson at 1-1. I mean, that was that was a rumor going around for for a while. I remember they really liked him. And I think he was that like plan C if everything blew up. Yeah, but so anyway, for a guy who who you know, he was a guy who kind of came out of nowhere a little bit that year. Um, but anyway, for a guy who, who had that much attention back then, you don't hear as much about him now. But like, I think we may see him in the big leagues, maybe even you know middle of next year. But like, he, he looked like a, a quality big league catcher to me when I saw him there. Yeah, I think that's a great a great one to pick out there. Uh, I, we've we've talked on this podcast and on this podcast. Yeah, high school catcher is it's a uh, it's a bleak track record over the last decade or so. Uh, so it would be nice to see one who who you know as you mentioned early on it looked like oh well here's another one that's going to end up a little bit disappointing. But um, yeah, I would love to see uh, Stevenson in the big leagues at some point next year. Uh, another great article we got from our friend Mike Rosenbaum. Um, is the the top Statcast performers? Of course, we only have the Statcast numbers uh, from uh, the fields uh, at Salt River, so it's a little bit skewed. Oh, but some interesting numbers on here: we see Cole Uvula, the the Texas Rangers reliever with the incredible uh, curveball spin rate. We talked about him uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, Nick Snyder, uh, another name that I I'm not as not as familiar with. He had a top spin rate. Another Rangers uh, reliever with with the uh, top uh, spin rate for fastball. I don't know if you guys have any uh, specific thoughts on him. Shane Boz uh, just blowing everybody away in terms of the top fastball velocities uh, so far. And then uh, exit velos, Ronaldo Hernandez, another raised prospect with the top exit velo from the fall. I get 113 mile an hour double. Uh, so any any names that pop out on these stat cast leaderboards that you guys wanted to mention? And, and Nick Snyder, I really, I don't know anything about him. So if you guys got anything on him, please, please enlighten me. Uh, Jonathan, you got anything on uh, these guys? I, I have nothing on Nick Snyder. Uh, okay. That's okay. Uh, to, to, be, to be honest with you. Uh, so maybe, maybe Jim does, but, um, you know, I think what's interesting is when you see like Shane Boz completely dominated, you know, fastball velocity. Uh, he also had what three of the top, um, spin rates for his, for his four seamer. Uh, it's just, you know, sometimes you need to look why people are so excited about him. You look beyond the, the numbers, you know, he was pitching in relief. It was a really small amount. 
uh, of innings. I think maybe people may look at his overall numbers and be like, I don't understand why everyone's making a big deal. The stuff was ridiculously good. Um, I, you know, I think was interesting is that no one dominated like the exit velocities. I think Roberto Ramos is the only one who's on there twice. Um, so again, small sample size only in those ballparks, but still it was, um, it was interesting. And we haven't talked about Ronaldo Hernandez who had a very good fall league. Uh, overall, uh, I didn't see him much, but I do remember him hitting the ball really hard. The couple of times I did see him, uh, see him at the plate. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, I, I do our Rangers stuff, Jordan. So I, I can give you a little Nick Snyder. He was a, a shortstop in college at Indian River Community College, the 19th round pick in 2017. Uh, you know, he was known for his strong arm. The Rangers put him on the mound full time after getting him in pro ball. And he's up to 99. And he's yet another one of these guys. Yuval is another one of them as well, who the Rangers seem to get, you know, guys after the 10th round who just put up crazy numbers statistically and, and metric wise pitching relief in the minors. And, and he's another part of that crew that, you know, looking at this and I, you know, it's, I, 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 you know, they have the capacity for spring training games. So I wish they had this stuff equipped for all airs on the folly games, which they don't. But the one thing that, that surprised me a little bit looking at this, was um the, the run times that Andres Jimenez turned in. Now, you know, we don't necessarily have all his at-bats, but he, he he got from home to first in 3.67 seconds on a bunt. Now, you know, and that's not necessarily how you generally clock a guy, but, you know, that's obviously <laughs> pretty impressive. Um, but then, you know, just on normal, you know, you know, balls in play, you know, he ran a, a four flat. He, he ran a four Oh six. He had another bunt where he's three, seven, eight from the left side of the plate. And, you know, I, I'd always thought of him as, as more of a, 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 you know, 55 or 60 runner on the 2080 scale, but that's, that, that's like 70 speed he's showing there. So yeah, I did not realize he was that quick. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and I, I guess uh, I, I want to, We'll we'll wrap here in a second, but I I did want to touch on Jimenez because um he's he's I feel like so, sort of a polarizing prospect is a young guy he's he's always been playing uh he's always been young for the level it seems like and he was really bad in the fall league last year he comes back he has a great statistical fall league this season that I hadn't even realized um would you say that his his stock is is up now I mean, not just the fact that oh wow he's actually really fast but also like maybe the bat is also uh, a, a little better than than we could have anticipated I, I'm not sure which maybe, of you guys, yeah go ahead I was saying maybe it's interesting because you know last year he I mean he hit 125 in the fall league and had a 542 ops and this year he won the batting title at 371 and he had a slugging percentage that was higher than his ops was last year now you know, he didn't have a great year at Binghamton in double A. He had kind of a soft 250. Um, you know, for all his speed, he got caught, you know, 16 out of 44 steal attempts. Guys like him, the concern with him is how much impact is there actually going to be with the bat? Because he's just not very physical. He's he's listed at six foot 161. Uh, you know, maybe he's six one. I mean, he looks 161. And I know last year in the fall league, he just looked worn out after a long season, obviously looked a lot better this year, but I think there's question as to, you know, know, he's just not very physical. You know, what is he going to give you at the plate? Is he going to be hitting 250 with, you know, eight or 10 homers a year, or is he going to be something better than that? But he, but he did help himself and he, I mean, there's no question. I mean, there aren't that many players who repeat the league. He he was definitely the league's most improved player 
in 2019. I don't think it was close. Right. He was the one guy when I when I did the breakout story. You know, I decided just to do all non top 100 guys. He was the one guy that made me think. Well, maybe I should include because he's the one guy who's on the top 100 down now at 92. Who I felt in in the way like so in the way I don't know if it's a breakout because he's been on the radar for for a long time. It was more for the first time, at least offensively, in many ways, he's doing what people thought he might do. And my dogs are very excited about Andres Jimenez and his future. It's the, and, Andres Jimenez uh, can get can get any even other species excited. Right. Yes, that's uh, that's very true. But I, you know, he he impacted the baseball uh, consistently this fall, and I didn't know that he had it in him. And I was I talked to a couple of scouts who think if that's good, that's going to continue to to kind of never going to hit twenty five homers, you know. But I think there is more of that uh, potential to come, and I I I think that he this was just a, a tip of the iceberg. He's starting to sort of figure it out a little bit more, uh, a little bit more at, at the plate. Yeah. And I think uh, he's not quite the, the level of prospect uh, of Royce Lewis um, who, who won the, the fall league MVP. Um, but I would put them both in the category of guys who had really kind of disappointing statistical seasons in the minors. Very good to see them come to the fall league and just absolutely rake. Uh, so very, very good to see. And I, I'm curious with Jimenez, what the timeline is there. He's still really young. They've got a, a big league shortstop in Rosario. who's still really young. Um, so we'll see if 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 uh, Jimenez can can be put in Ronnie Mauricio coming up behind him too. Uh, so how about good times, good times in Metsland? Uh, all right, well guys, thank you so much uh, for joining me on this uh, Halloween edition. Uh, good luck with your trick or treaters that that arrive or do not arrive because Halloween is maybe postponed. Um, but <laughs> uh, thank you guys for doing this. Uh, I don't know when we'll do another podcast, but hopefully soon. Uh, enjoy uh, list, se- list season has begun. Are you, are you guys ready? Are you guys mentally prepared, Jim? Are you ready to to start to start the off season uh, of, of lists? Uh, I'm already working on my draft oh, stuff. There you so go. Yes, I'm, I'm I'm mentally prepared. Right. Okay, Jonathan, you're good. You're you're ready to rumble. Yeah, yeah, we're starting to starting to get rolling. Uh, draft 100. Here we come. Woohoo! Oh baby. All right. Well, we're looking forward to talking about that. Uh, but until then, uh, for Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, and we will talk to you guys soon. We'll